When James and Stella Hudson sold their nightclub in Bondi Beach and shifted up the east coast of Australia for a slower lifestyle, they had a quirky Paris-born dream of a champagne cave built into a cliffside in the hinterland of Byron Bay. What came to fruition was something not too far from their vision, but a beautiful industrial set of pavilions meets Joshua Tree Retreat, which they built by hand in the cliff faces behind Mullumbimby. We kick off season two of Slow Stays, getting the nitty gritty of what drove the couple to their lifestyle choice, the highs and lows of what it took to build their business and what they now hold most dear in their lives. Welcome to the Life Unhurried podcast, a place to slow down and appreciate the little things, whether you're on the road or just wanting to enjoy your own backyard more. We're in the Byron hinterland overlooking the Pacific Ocean, Cape Byron, Mount Chincogan and rolling acres of rainforest. It's very beautiful here and for anyone who doesn't know where Byron Bay is, um, east coast of Australia. It's actually far north Bondi, sorry. That's, that's, that's the specific location. True. Okay, yeah, that's true. Um, speaking of Bondi, you guys lived in Bondi um, before you moved up here. So tell us about that transition. We were, we were in the hospitality business for many years in Bondi, restaurants, bars and, and nightclubs um, in our 20s and early 30s. I was your door bitch. <laughs> Amongst other things, and a bookkeeper. Yeah, Stella. Stella controlled the flow of human beings, finance and human being flow control. In and out of the play, in and out of the venues. So we um, we had a great time in the city, and um, I suppose as you get older, got married, had a second child on the way, and it felt like the time to move out of the city and focus on focus on family life mm-hmm. a little bit more and slow things down. Mm-hmm. So had you been um, regulars to Byron um, holidaying or what made you think that this was the right place for you? This had always been the right place for me. My whole life I holidayed here and my grandfather owned a house at Wadigo's and I used to watch that lighthouse coming around as I was a kid in the bedroom. And I have a crazy uncle lives up a hill around the corner. And it just felt like this was the place where we could actually still go out and have a nice dinner occasionally if we wanted to, but be removed as far as we needed to be. Had you been here before, James? And did you like it or did it take a little bit of talking into no, we, we we came on. I think we came on the holiday once, and then we we actually had a first part of our honeymoon here mm. on the way up to Hayman Island. <clears throat> we had a friend who got his mates race, <laughs> um, so yeah, we had it was it was quite a, a special time in a moment that you know through through that period of getting married and things changing that this was the place that we came to, and I suppose we just gravitated towards it in the same way that I suppose everybody gravitates. It's so beautiful and mm-hmm. uh, a change of pace. Mm-hmm. And um, how long have you been here for in the area, in the Byron area? 
nearly five years. Okay. Yeah. Coming four, up to five years. Four yeah. and a half, five years, yeah. yeah. We, we arrived two weeks before Pixie was born. So, yeah, we kind of were in a bit of a rush yeah. to find anything and any just to set find up shop. Find a house. Find yeah. a house. Yeah. 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 It's a good place for kids to grow up. Yeah. And have, you know, an outside lifestyle. Yeah. And not have neighbours. So you guys have got hospitality background plus interior designer plus industrial designer. So was this set up here a long-term dream of yours? Yeah. Um, at least for the last six years or so we've been thinking about it. Yeah, we, we planned we planned it a few, a few years before we left Sydney. We were talking about it and theorising about it and planning the the transition it wasn't a, a sudden a sudden move um and i think as everything runs its kind of curve and course especially in, in hospitality we felt like we were at the top of the curve at the time and things were things were going really well and we felt it was the right time to make the move um so yeah a, a lot of a lot of planning went went behind it wasn't just a quick decision it was we were actually in paris in um in france when we were we started conceptualizing the the brand vision and the um <laughs> our champagne the, caves yeah, that we wanted to build and, yeah. oh, okay. what was that? <laughs> well it was what this was supposed to be but it was supposed to be a, a cave buried deep into a hinterland hill with heaps of amazing champagne and containers full of beautiful French hardware that we found when we were over there, and things evolved. Things changed a lot because that isn't what it looks like at all. But it is um that is where it started. It's still... always the design process. You end up somewhere completely different. Yeah. Although yeah, we'd still like a champagne cave. Well, there's still plenty yeah. of champagne and a bit of whiskey as well. Yeah, yeah. so it's still a possibility. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell us a bit about. Um, the design, how many guests can stay here, that sort of thing? Well, we're sat in the reception area right now overlooking the magnesium pool and onwards to Cape Byron Lighthouse spinning around. Um, so this is an area where guests can come and we serve breakfast in here and they kind of use it as their own. So. If they want to have a drink, a glass of wine, socialise, then they've got an area and a space that they can do that in. Um, and if they're wanting a bit more privacy, then they can retreat to their own pavilion, which is they're all um, separate and private. So we, we can have uh, up to six guests here on site. So it's very intimate and boutique, but I think it enables us to focus on the the details and the small experiences. It's not like you're banging out 200 covers in a in a, in a restaurant where the, the personality gets lost slightly. Mm. So we can we can really get to know the the customers and the people, and uh, it's it's a lot more intimate than dealing with thousands of people going through the door and the parties and things like that that we used to used to do in an earlier previous mm -hmm. life. And so in terms of energy levels, you would say that this is a slower pace for life for you guys compared to being in Sydney or times it's, get, it's getting there and that was the plan, but, you know, we've, we've we've been working hard to get here. So. And we are the 
we are the show here. Yeah. Yeah. It's just us. No staff. So you don't have staff. No. We don't have anyone else. No it's just cleaners. Us. No, no cleaners. We're the, the chef, the cleaner, the DJ, and, um, <laughs> door bitch. and the door bitch all in one. <laughs> yeah, right. So um, obviously it's taken a lot of energy to develop what you've got here and I can see that you've used lots of recycled materials and foraged a lot of objects from lots of different places. Can you tell us a bit about the materials and the interior design? Yeah, we have a real passion for reclaiming stuff that was already here. So we had an old falling down banana shed that fell down the hill shortly after we purchased and we picked all the nicest bits of timber and all the nicest bits of rusty stuff we could find in there and um, put a lot of energy into sourcing really beautiful objects and nice furniture to make people feel like they're escaping from their life. Yeah, nice. Escaping and from the ordinary. Uh, you, you said before um, about once you've laid the concrete, you use the Rio bar. Yeah, we had, some, we had some left over. A lot of the process was design and build on on the same day so although we had a we had a conceptual framework that only really probably me and Stella knew about mm -hmm. but a lot of the problem solving that has to go on through a build with the resources that you have um we we'd find as Stella said either find objects or we'd find materials on site or recycled bits and pieces that I suppose look like not much, but we incorporate them into the into the aesthetic, um, which was fun artistically, but ecologically in terms of zero miles materials was quite a smart thing to do in terms of our, our kind of footprint while we were doing construction. Mm -hmm. so, uh, and it kept the builder on his toes yeah. <laughs> yeah. as well. Yeah. So I guess you guys are looking at um, minimising waste as well by using anything that was left over as yeah the, definitely the, we start the, the the mesh was we so we wanted to texturize and soften some of the finish so we had a lot of leftover well not well some leftover mesh from the slabs and as we started to use it we realized how amazing it was as a as a material used in a, a different way to what its intended purpose was mm -hmm. so we ended up buying more of it and using using more of it um, around the site but if it wasn't for the fact that we were looking at a leftover pile of builders material and mm -hmm. thought how could we use it it wouldn't have probably come into focus so much as part of the, the design and you would never um, I always thought I wanted this reception shed lined until I saw it um, clad with the builders mesh in layers and then I thought I, we actually don't have to line it at all yeah yeah, and it's beautiful that you've got the vines growing through it as well. It's yeah, really nice. and it works as a nice trellis on the pavilions as well to mm. soften up the concrete a bit. So they've got star jasmine growing up there at the moment and in a year we should have to be cutting it back so that you can still see the concrete. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so in terms of foraging interiors, um, obviously you've got things from everywhere. Can you tell us how you collected so much stuff? So, I'd say it was a 12-month process and oh, we have a container that was just absolutely jammed mm -hmm. full of everything that I could see being somewhere 
And it's really funny because I was down there the other day trying to find some uh, some tiles for a client and there's really not that much left. So we really did use everything that we found. Mm -hmm. I found a load of old beautiful vintage mirrors in Bangalore from this weird lady. Um, <laughs> I bought them all. I bought them all. I bought the whole wall. And um, and she was saying, well, what, what, what would you want with these? They're all knackered and rusty. And I was like, it's perfect. The more knackered and rusty, I'll take it. So, yeah, we um we found a lot of stuff on Buy, Swap and Sell and did a lot of driving and a lot of picking up. I think that there wasn't a week that went by there for probably a year where I wasn't off to get something mental from and somewhere. Actually, and like they've actually really fun part of the it process. was it was really fun yeah, yeah, because yeah. yeah, there's nothing better than a bargain, and also there's nothing better than finding something that somebody else has loved mm. before, and then you get to give it a new home. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was a really fun part for me, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Can you tell us about Bruce Gould and who he is to you and how he's contributed? Yeah, you? sure. He's um, he's a uh, an icon and a genius to me. I've known him since I was born. I lived in London with him when I was with my mum. His daughter and me are very good friends, but he's he's a very talented artist and also a very quirky collector. Um, I've always really admired his style and his lino cuts are amazing. Actually, he just gave us about 10 metres of amazing um, fabric that I can't wait to turn into cushions. When he came up to stay, he did it, we did a bit of a contra and he designed our Blackbird in one day just with some ink and a scalpel, cut it out, stuck it on a piece of paper and then that was it. And it sort of summed up a lot of things. It came from nowhere and we saw it and we both just knew instantly that that was our brand identity. Yeah, and the, the name Blackbird, where did that come from? It was a combination of, combination of things. Me and Stella, during that conceptual period and when we, were, when we were in France as well, all the way through to the UK, and it was, it was going on for six or eight months. It was a long... A long conversation because I think we knew it had to be perfect. It's a hard <clears> thing to name. And um, the the Paul McCartney song actually came on a playlist, uh, the Beatles song, uh, while we were having a discussion. And we th we put it to one side and thought, okay, well that's interesting. That kind of works. It's you know. Um, until we actually found this particular plot of land where we knew the, the black cockatoos um, were kind of living and, and, and was their, their home, it all fell into place. And Bruce is also, you know, famous for for his, his blackbirds and his screen prints. And um, it was like this conversion of, of all of these different ideas that is all this, it's blackbird, obviously. And my nightclub is called White Revolver. As well, so it was. It was a nice contrast to. Uh, it was a black and white. It was that's that's the life back in Sydney. That's the city. That's the busyness. This is the other end of the spectrum and a complete opposite. And the Eames Housebird is something I've always wanted to own my whole life. I think you got me one for my thirtieth, and it's sat up on top of our big barn doors. You know, I feel like. They're watching over you and keeping you safe, and it's it's a homey sort of nesty kind of vibe as well. So, 
even though it's resorty and it's palm fronds and it's blackbird and it's beetles, it's still there's something really earthy about a, a simple blackbird on the top of the mountain. Yeah, it's funny that the Rio mesh, even though it's rusty steel, as well, kind of to us implied the, ne- the, the nest. nest. It was like oh, the nesting. Okay. So yeah, that, the that nesting of and, what we were doing yeah. at the time with our family. The nesting of what you know what you do when you try and escape yeah. ordinary life with your partner or friend. Um, and, and so the, the layers of the, the concrete mesh also reminded us of the of a, you know the physical like, nest. Yeah, and I can see that from where I'm sitting, from my perspective, I can see the ring of mesh, the vines growing through the mesh and the, and the king's bird sitting there, which is, yeah, a really beautiful visual. So even though you guys have worked in hospitality before, running a B&B um, is quite different to running a nightclub restaurant bar type of um, business. What are the biggest challenges that you've found so far? I know you guys have only just opened six months ago, but what are the biggest challenges you've found so far with this particular type of business? I think it, I think mainly the um, logistical um, kind of, I don't know, fra- the, the, the framework that, that you have to, you know, work with when because you know we bought the property and developed the property, which is different to taking a lease and designing something, fitting something out. There's there's a lot to think about and a lot that you that you have to you know identify and go through. And I think probably that that's the biggest challenge. I, I grew up in this industry when I was a, a when I was a kid, so the day to day is it's kind of it's natural to us, and it's 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 what we enjoy. Um, maybe the bureau- bureaucratic process, maybe is that is that? Parents who owned a pub, is that right? Uh, ho- hotel. Ho- hotel, hotel, yeah. So yeah. accommodation. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I have I have lots of memories as a child, but design was my whole life when I was growing up and a teenager and in my twenties, and um, it's strange to have gone all the way around and now. Be in the industry that I never wanted to be a part of when I was a child. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah. It must either be in the blood or something. I don't know, but something. I find design-wise, it's a more permanent structure. Like the bedding may change, the cushions may change, but it really needs to be something substantial mm-hmm. to um, capture the magic of this area. And it's not like a quick restaurant fit out or a bar fit out that's ever changing. And you move on to the next one. It's like this is an identity for us mm-hmm. and trying to um, make that as beautiful as we possibly could and get to a place where we're not there now. I mean, we, we probably never will be. We're constantly seeing things that need to be changed, but having that ground, having it down and having everything everything there is is really hard because it's more permanent and it was a new build, which we've never done before, and it was ordering three or four of everything and it was like a big... Um, was a big commitment and like for us there's there's no way that we want to put anything into those pavilions that isn't perfect and what we would want to experience if we were going somewhere really beautiful for a weekend or and really trying to capture that um we want our guests to come back and see us and like create relationships with them um obviously not all of them but there's definitely some that are now becoming part like part of the family and with a B&B, you can do that 
um, especially on a small boutique scale. You don't get that with, you know, nightclubs. You might with a restaurant, but it's a different kind of vibe. I, I think I think it, the the con, all the, the conceptual stuff, you know, probably in twenties and, and things like that. When when we first ventured into hospitality, that was all about. I suppose the ego or what what you wanted to say to the world about what you wanted to provide to the world and towards the end of the process the volume was just so big for us that we lost touch with the reasons why we were doing what we were doing it was just numbers through the door it was just it was just busy it was so busy and it's not really and, about being cool <clears throat> and it's yeah. about creating it's, something yeah. amazing it's yeah. about connecting yeah. with people as well yeah. and, I, and I think now the scale of things that we do when you know we have six guests on site we can have a drink with them have a chat with them get to know them and the personality um is it's so much um it's so much more enjoyable to spend time on a one-to-one -one level than just you know numbers through a door or um it's much more enjoyable and it's kind of i think brought that that full circle as well that we're back doing what we started out doing that we kind of lost focus with probably because it became impersonal towards the end and, and now we can it's very personal yeah it's very 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 personal and, and individual and you guys have even though you've only been open for six months you've actually had people notice what you're doing and approach you to help them on their projects so how did all that come about yeah we we seem to have created quite an Instagrammable space, um, and it's funny through, because that was accidental because we no, didn't even have Instagram until no, we opened we, this at all. Uh -huh. kind of sadly, we had no idea what we were hashtagging. Kind of yeah. even know, we're old. Didn't even know what it was. <laughs> no. <laughs> <clears throat> I think the in, the intent to create a, a, a host, you know a hospitality space, a, a different level to the you know the night times and all that kind of stuff through the process of the build and, and the design and the bureaucratic challenges that we you know we faced and, and went through we ended up actually creating um more than just somewhere for people to come and stay but the actual process of building and um sensitively developing properties um has, has been noticed by some people so we're working with some people at the moment to to look at other residential and other commercial um, opportunities using the the palette and materials. Um, the materials and the style of of build um, that we do. So it's in, it's an unintentional side shoot of. I mean, I've what had we've a lot done. of people asking me to do their bathrooms. We've had just a lot, saying you know, those bathrooms. We've, we've, <laughs> we've had a, there's only so many hours in a day, but I think yeah the. Lots of people have asked us to design their houses or bathrooms and, and things like that. But I think kind of taking something from literally grassroots or, you know, wherever it is and sensitively and ecologically minded development um, is quite an exciting um, prospect that, that wasn't really an intention but seems to have kind of flourished from, from the process we've been through. And does that make you guys nervous, the fact that you have set this up as a lifestyle choice and now you all of these other opportunities are coming in, does it make you feel like, is this going to create chaos in our lives? It excites me. 
because I'm all for the build and design. I really love that bit. Yeah. It's my favorite bit. So if I, I always, can bring I, people, if we can bring people joy through that, then mm-hmm. I don't care how many we've got on at once. You only live once. Mm-hmm. You got to push it while you can. And I always say to Stella, it's like, okay, we'll just get to this this point yeah, here, it's never and then gonna I'll be at that stop. Point. But she knows I, I won't, because as soon as we get to that point, there's always mm-hmm. the next thing that that we're looking at. Hang always, on a minute, aren't we here now? Yeah. yeah. Oh no. Yeah. We're now, there. now the now the goalposts have moved again, but yeah. in a good way. I mean, at least we get to go to the beach with our dog, and we're not on a nine to five every day working for someone else. We're working for ourselves, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's hard work, but it's good hard work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's a rare thing that, as a husband and wife, especially design team, that we. Um, throughout the entire process, without one exception, have complemented each other in every choice or every decision. And whenever there's been a couple of times where someone's been stuck on something like, you know, we've had to move something or we've had something up and taken it down and said, that's not right. The other one comes up with a solution. Um, and it's been, yeah, it's been an incredible kind of design partnership and creative process in that sense, because it hasn't been filled with any conflicts or any kind of different ideas or choices, which... I'm really glad you don't have bad taste. (laughs) And um, we pretty much just... We just put our heart on our sleeve here. Like, this is what we want our house to look like. It doesn't yet, but one day we will have... This is us. This is our taste. And it might not be everybody's taste, but there's definitely people that that dig this kind of look and it's not something that you usually see in Mullumbimby or... Even around Byron, I mean, you get other places in Byron, but they're much more polished and it just doesn't feel authentic to me. So we've stayed in a lot of nice places too when we were young and free. We've mm. done a lot of traveling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um but nothing nothing compares to what you what you imagine in your mind and then it being built in front of you. So it's yeah. quite um it's exciting and it's hard to see all the time because you overlook it when you're yeah. in it. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's beautiful when you read our, I read our guest book all the time because it makes me feel really humble and really excited that people have had a good time here. So it's a genuine, like, it's a genuine feeling that we just want people to experience something beautiful and something different. So if you were to do this again, which I think might be on the cards for you guys, by the sounds of it, opening up another one, um, what lessons have you learned so far that you would do differently next time? That's a difficult one to answer because we did a lot of research. Um, there's always unknowns and there's always unknown quantities, no matter how much. Maybe you... we wouldn't have to do the tiling. Maybe I wouldn't have to do the tiling. <laughs> Maybe no, you wouldn't yeah, have maybe. to be on the tools um, next time. I mean, it, the, the story wouldn't be as good and, it is, and it's obviously much more exciting when you push yourself to your absolute limits, which we did. Um, probably for the next time, as amazing as that process was, it might be nicer um, not to be pushed quite so much to the limit. Um, less running around like <laughs> maniacs on the day that we opened, um, like, <laughs> but, you know, um, less of that. Yeah, but mm, I, I maybe think, allow more time. But it, it's always like that. It's yeah. always a mad scramble to the end, and that's what we live for. Yeah. Because once it's done, you feel so good. Yeah. So I don't know if I'd change anything. 
No, I don't think. I mean, the you know the, the build process was the build was was, smooth. A, was a dream. It was once we were able to do to to get out of the box and to actually start doing and creating. Once the you know the bureaucratic process is finished and um, we're able to to run, um, that's the most exciting time. It's the unknowns sometimes and the the working through. The, the processes before you get to the point of the build that was the most frustrating for us. Um, but you've got to work within the frameworks that, that we all you know have to work with. So mm-hmm. I think rather than anything changing, it's just we've got a deeper understanding of what those frameworks are and where they may apply. And so I think having been through quite a difficult process in that regard anything that we do next will be an absolute breeze yeah. 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 so just to finish off and we ask all of our interviewees this question business aside work aside what does living a life unhurried mean to you to me it means not getting caught up in all of the crap that is everyday life and trying to just be thankful and grateful for your family and your friends and your health and just taking a step back from it all really and being really showing gratitude for where we are and what we've done instead of thinking what we haven't done, focusing on what we have done and being really thankful for it. Yeah, appreciating appreciating all the things that are right in front of us um, rather than thinking about all of those things that, I suppose retrospectively, it's a good lesson um, for you. They don't, yeah, they they just they don't matter as much. I suppose when you're younger, or I suppose as you get older, um, things come into focus a lot more about what's important in life and and what's what's less important. And I think for us, it's 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 our family really is you know it's the most in, which is the most important thing. And the decisions we've made over the last few years have now afforded us to to focus on on that and 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 that primarily and beach walks and beach walks <laughs> <laughs> and dogs and goats and cats and animals and stuff that are all coming in the yeah. future those mini goats <laughs> yeah, maybe pygmy goats and beach walks <laughs> is the correct answer yeah well thank you guys so much for having us and For anyone listening, you'll be able to find the details of Blackbird Byron on our website. Um, So thanks very much. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you very much. To find out more about Blackbird, go to blackbirdbyron.com.au or you can read the story or watch the video at lifeunhurried.com.